Welcome to Energy in 30. We'll use the next 30 minutes to explore how utilities and the industry are reacting to forces that are shaping new offerings for customers in order to meet decarbonization goals. If you're a utility manager, consultant, technology provider, or just curious about energy, we hope to push your thinking about the changes that are happening in the energy industry with me, David Meisegeier. And me, Joan Collins. Hi, David. How are you doing? Pretty good. How about you, Joan? I'm doing good. Thanks. Hey, as you know, when I came back from my trip to Ireland this summer, after hearing about their aggressive decarbonization goals and heard a lot more from my friends over there talking about the initiatives that they were taking advantage of, just made me curious and I wanted to bring in some global perspectives. You suggested we ask Mark Allington from our ICF UK office to join us, and here we are with him today. Well, virtually with him anyway. That's awesome. And I've known Mark for many years and was fortunate enough to have worked with him recently on a carbon reduction and job creation program in the UK called the Green Homes Grant Scheme. But for the rest of you, Mark is a vice president at ICF leading our energy activities in Europe and Asia. He has 35 years of low carbon consulting experience including 30 years managing large value sustainable energy programs for the public sector. His experience spans the UK, Europe, Asia and Africa. And for the last decade, he's focused on industrial decarbonizations for programs in the UK. Mark, welcome to our podcast. Yeah, hi, David. Hi, Jen. We are hi, excited. Mark. We are excited to have you. What a background you have. <laughs> That's that's a that's a pretty impressive um, uh, CV there with uh, all the work that you're doing. And one of the things we like to do in in kicking off is ask you what you're currently working on. Well, thanks. That's that's uh, kind of you to say. We, um, well, at present we have several ongoing programs for the British government that are supporting industrial decarbonisation. So we're helping them with product standards for industry and selecting and dispersing funding to demonstration and deployment projects in decarbonisation. And we're drawing together our observations in an ICF Climate Centre flagship report on this subject at the moment. The decarbonising industry is a, is, a, is a big challenge and, and we have a lot of trade-offs to, to, to work through in that, but uh, it's, it's certainly essential for net zero. How, and I am not an expert on industrial decarbonization, so I can't even fathom to wrap my head around it. What, what does it mean? I mean, are these uh, plants and, 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 and companies on natural gas and you're trying to convert them to electric? What, what does it mean to be decarbonizing them? Well, this, the sort of industry we're talking about is is heavier industry. So producing metals, uh, producing cement, minerals, chemicals, also food and drink and pulp and paper, that sort of thing. And industry like this is is producing about 16% of UK overall carbon emissions at the moment. So that's about mm -hmm. 72 billion tonnes. Wow. Uh, in the EU, that's about 20%. And so you, you you can't decarbonize without tackling this this sector, and it, and it's quite multifaceted and tricky and complicated. 
just the sort of thing that uh, that we enjoy getting into. <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead, Joan. Oh, I was just going to say, I think I read somewhere that um, that kind of this was this was like the work that the government is framing up around this is is really a, a blueprint for having the first low carbon industrial sector in the world. Is that do you align with that as well or are you seeing I mean, there, there are, there are uh, certainly the UK is trying to take a uh, a lead in this in in certain segments where it's where it's relevant um and you know we have industrial clusters we have decentralized um facilities uh, and the challenge is is quite uh, complicated dependent on where you try to implement it I, I, if i talk a little more on it i mean some industrial processes require really substantial energy um if you think of steel or cement or chemicals production, these these need high temperature process heat to reduce the iron ore, to heat the limestone, or to crack hydrocarbons. And and this is temperatures you know well over a, a thousand degrees Celsius. Mm. I, I I don't know the Fahrenheit, I'm afraid, David, but uh, pretty hot. <laughs> right? He's calculating it quickly. But what fuels are they using to get those temperatures? Yeah, so so gas is there in some cases, but but also coal is is needed. So, for example, in steel production, you know, steel is is very important for many applications. You need it to build railways and wind turbines and ships and aircraft and so on. Yeah, and you know, for that you need to produce the primary steel. You need uh, blast furnaces, and they use coking coal, which it mixes carbon with the iron ore. And this is at um, uh, 1,500 degrees Celsius. So you need the carbon to make the steel. Uh, so decarbonization for blast furnaces is is more about capturing carbon emissions after mm. use rather than using a different fuel. Uh, however, you know, once you've got the primary steel, then you can recycle it at the end of life in electric arc furnaces, which can use low carbon electricity. But this isn't the only kind of method there is there's a there's a plant in germany which which is now making low carbon primary steel uh, and this reduces iron ore using hydrogen uh, it pr produces a thing called sponge iron which is um which is then melted in an electric arc furnace and that produces the steel so you know it's possible and uh, but you still need a little bit of carbon because steel is is requires carbon so new technologies in in the making that could help lower carbon creation but also still needing to capture carbon during the, the during the creation of the materials or or whatever the the plants are are creating when again it's not my area of expertise so when we talk about carbon capture what what does that really mean? So, so carbon capture can involve uh, precipitating, you know, the carbon emissions in chimneys of plants and recapturing them and reusing it. There, there are uses for carbon uh, dioxide, uh, and you know, which are adjacent to. You you can build. I mean, in the UK, we have industrial clusters where you have. 
plants that use the carbon uh, in various forms. Um, if you if you want to, you know, grow plants in hothouses, carbon dioxide is a good feed for that. Mm. Uh, and so, so developing clusters where you're develop you're capturing carbon and then using it somehow, but a lot of it needs to be stored once it's it's captured. But I was talking about the high temperature there, but also there's a lot of decarbonisation that can happen. Is it you know for lower temperature industrial processes? So if we think of bakeries, for example, there are many of those around. They they typically are using about 150, 300 degrees Celsius in their ovens, and and their electrification is a is a significant option, uh, which is you know a bit a bit closer and uh, to hand than uh, than some of the uh, than, than hydrogen, for example, which is a bit further downstream in its development at present. Makes sense. So, what percentage? I'm not to put you on the spot, but about what percentage of the UK electric generation would be considered kind of clean? Well, it, it, I mean, it, this is an area which is moving on quite fast now. We we have, I, I think we have sort of 20, 30 gigawatts, something like that of offshore wind energy now. We have days which are completely coal free, which, you, you know, uh, I've, I've worked a long time in this industry and, and that was a distant dream when I started. Mm. So it's it's really good to see. And electrification, you know, a lot of low temperature electrification technologies that can be used in industrial decarbonization are, are already commercially ready. Um, probably half of current industrial fuel consumption could be electrified when the prices allow and storage and demand side response uh, uh, providing flexibility into the system will, will help industrial consumers use energy when it's cheapest and when it's cleanest but the, you know the main barrier at the moment is the price of between the balance between gas and electricity price mm. uh, with electricity being more expensive yeah so electricity is is more expensive the 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 current situation in ukraine is focused attention on this quite uh, quite uh, significantly at the moment and we are seeing an acceleration in the um decoupling of electricity prices from gas prices in Europe. So it's not quite happened yet, but they're, they're moving very fast towards that. And um, renewable generation is now quite ubiquitous and, and much the cheapest form. So, you know, it's great to see. And, and we're, we're now starting to see a, a market environment that will allow um, the, the the renewable electricity to be used more effectively for um, low temperature electrification of industrial processes. That's really so, great to hear. Yeah. So you mentioned cost as a as a potential barrier, at least on the the lower uh, intense processes. Is cost, you know, kind of globally the number one concern when you think about how to decarbonize industrial processes or are there other factors that that companies are concerned about quality for example or anything like that 
a, a big factor is that um, what I mentioned about temperature, really. So electrification is that that area is developing fast, but it's hard to electrify processes that need very high temperatures. And there are some things around the nature of some of those processes, like steel, as I mentioned, where you you can't get away completely from uh, carbon-based fuels. But hydrogen is 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 coming along, and um, it's small at present. Uh, so we have, you know, around. I suppose the expectation in the near future is around 10 terawatt hours per year for the UK by 2030, and all focused around industrial clusters, which I, I'll I'll need to talk about a little bit more in a moment. Um, but by 2050, we would expect hydrogen consumption to be up as at you know, beyond 80 terawatt hours. So the government's committed to sort of developing this low carbon hydrogen economy, but it's not quite there yet. Um, and there's a lot of scope for electrification beforehand. And for those processes where you really can't decarbonize, then the carbon capture comes in as a as a necessary option. Hmm. So it sounds like there's a lot of kind of prioritization, like you were saying, it's very, it's, it's quite complex, right? Like prioritization of the subsectors and then, you know, what kinds of uh, renewables <laughs> that are associated with those to, to meet the goals. I, I can't yeah, another, even fathom where to begin. <laughs> I mean, another factor is, is location. So uh, I, I okay. mentioned, I mentioned clusters. So we, we have, steel in in two places really in the uk so in south wales and in in yorkshire uh, and i would say uk industrial emissions as a whole are, are split fairly evenly between clusters like that and dispersed sites so you have cement production for example is in many locations and clusters and dispersed sites face different challenges when it comes to trying to decarbonize if if you have a lot of industry close together that's generating carbon, you 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 have the possibility for sort of larger scale integrated investments and and to make to have carbon capture, utilization and storage infrastructure nearby, and and also green hydrogen storage potentially from you know we have a lot of offshore wind now as as I mentioned earlier and that is uh, is going to expand further so to to just sort of use electrolyzers to convert some of that to hydrogen and then use the hydrogen when you need it within the uh, a large cluster for high temperatures mm. you know that seems a a feasible option when you've got a dispersed site it's it's much harder because you've got to transport the co2 that you capture or you've got to transport the hydrogen as a fuel so electrification is something that's a bit more um you know attuned to to those dispersed sites if if we can overcome this this price barrier that i mentioned so is there and i never would have thought about it but it makes a lot of sense when you when you explain it is 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 there policy in place around encouraging the clusters certainly is yes so we have direct support uh, programs in the uk for for clusters and increasingly for the dispersed sites as as well, um, and you know that that work sort of concentrates on 
car well first of all we have carbon pricing which is uh, we have a UK emissions trading scheme uh, which has been in, in place for quite some time a climate change levy and these are things that are essentially putting a price on carbon and encouraging uh, the, the industry owners and financiers to do something about uh, their high carbon use but then we have demonstration funding schemes so ICF is is supporting a couple of these uh, one which is the industrial energy transformation fund is is spending about 300 million pounds on large-scale demonstration of different industrial decarbonization approaches and then we have a more specifically on the heat recovery uh, we, we have a, another small program which is deploying existing heat recovery technologies into uh, into dispersed industry and you know there are quite a few different policy instruments around so when you when you look at what's coming down the road what excites you the most around industrial decarbonization opportunities yeah i would say you know for me i'm i started out as an electrical and control systems engineer so i would say the potential that's offered by storage and by intelligent controls that provides flexibility to to just match existing energy production and transmission assets better to deliver the energy that we need in the form we want it and when we need it so you know this covers the short duration electrical and thermal storage but also the longer term interseasonal storage for example through the green hydrogen that i mentioned that lets us make best use of all of this renewable generation which has come on so so strongly and uh, and gives the chance to make best use of all that renewable capacity to achieve the you know the the full potential of decarbonizing our society including the complicated bits like like industry so you know you need to match carefully between supply and storage and end use but practical solutions are, are there and are achievable that alignment between supply and demand seems rather daunting when you think about the speed that we need to really kind of do all of this is are there <laughs> are there any tips or or thoughts about how you do that I think the the short duration stuff is is there already. I would say the um, the the longer term interseasonal storage is the bigger challenge, uh, and you know hydrogen is 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 going to play a significant part in that. But there's time for that. There's a lot of improvement that that can happen before we get there. As I mentioned, probably half of industrial fuel consumption can be uh, it can be electrified. And even at present, we're seeing the, the decoupling of the renewable electricity charges away from gas. This is this is going to happen very soon now. I think the um, uh, the situation in Ukraine has placed a lot of focus on that. So uh, I see a strong future for electrification in the next ten years, and then moving on to you know to hydrogen and, and more of the carbon capture. Uh, technologies as we head more towards uh, you know the decade after that really and and i know we're talking about industrial decarbonization but just 
curious what what your thoughts are around consumer participation and some of the the measures you know to impact their choices and you know other other kinds of initiatives to to encourage i i think with you know in the uk now the um heat and transport uh, decarbonization are, are, are probably the main things and when where consumers can get in, involved is in in both of those by taking wide wise choices um we are i think soon to see a a larger scale rollout of heat pumps in the uk and that's very necessary we're already seeing uh household oil boilers and gas boilers are are uh, you know, fossil fossil fuel boilers. The government wants to phase out essentially uh, for home heating. So we will move to a a situation where we have much more widespread uh, heat pumps and electric heating, and also eventually hydrogen. In in if it proves worth, uh, it's it's sold. But uh, to me, hydrogen is a bit wasted on on heating i think it's a, a lot more suited to the heavy usage uh, and the high, high temperature processes that, that aren't possible to decarbonize by other methods that seem like the big <laughs> the big challenge yeah it's it's but you know it's within our grasp it, we we have we have all this offshore wind and that is a a magical thing. I, th I think when I started out in the early 90s, we were just starting the first incentives for wind turbines to just move beyond in enthusiasts and get onto more pragmatic investors, get the electricity companies interested. And, you know, PV panels were just a costly laboratory plaything at that time. It, you know, now those technologies are the cheapest source of electricity. They attract most investment. The ethical investors are getting involved. It makes the best sense to do. Mm. And, you know, we have those technologies are now capable of providing half of the the UK's grid load on the right day. Mm. And we've had many, many days of coal-free generation. So I, I, I think it's We've got all the the electricity now. Now it's the challenge to, you know, um, we've shown that that's possible, and then it's happened. So so now it's about kind of using that uh, low carbon electricity in a in a positive way, either directly in in decarbonising processes or by converting it to some other uh, other fuel like like hydrogen intermediary uh, fuel that can be used. Uh, you know, when when needed, rather than depending on when the wind's blowing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, your optimism is is very much appreciated. <laughs> and but with that said, I have to ask you a question that we like to ask all our guests here towards the end. I can't believe the time has has already come to this. But um, if you could do one thing to change the industry, no limits, what would you do? I, I think it's I think I would say to just encourage people to celebrate successes, to, to just encourage replication. You know, as I've just explained, the, the massive change for the better has happened in renewables. And the next challenge is the next frontier is this decarbonization of industry, especially on heat and transport. 
it's a it's a fascinating field to work in. It's full of complicated challenges and innovative solutions and that are going to let society move forward to that net zero emissions future that we all want. And solutions will be found and they will be deployed at large scale. And it's it's within, you know, the net zero world's within reach of the brave, I I would say. Mm. So uh yeah, that's that's how I see things. And uh it's, it, it, complexity is something to be embraced and worked through um, as a means of keeping things interesting. And then when you achieve, communicate, you know, encourage others to uh, replicate, spread the word. Well, well said. You know, it's uh, really, I think, easy for naysayers to point to the challenges and 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 say how hard it's going to be and we should push those challenges off to the future but you're right we have achieved uh, a lot of successes and uh, articulating those and, and 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 celebrating them i think is is important so well well said um i've really just learned a lot about industrial carbon decarbonization on this call and have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. So I want to thank you very much for for your time, thoughts and, and insights. Many thanks, David, and thanks to you as well, Joni. I've enjoyed uh, the conversation and, and being with you myself. And uh, as I say, net zero is 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 there for the taking. We can do it uh, and continue the successes that have already happened. Awesome. Well, we're going to have to bring you back once your flagship report on how to decarbonize industry is out so you can share even more tidbits. If you've also enjoyed this conversation, we'd sure appreciate you liking, sharing, and even subscribing to our podcast. And thank you also, Mark, just uh, for the inspiration. And I, I can't wait for that report to come out. So we'll definitely have to have you back on. And on um, on the note about uh, subscribing to our podcast and listening, David and I are busy brainstorming ideas um, for around what areas we want to cover and people of interest for 2023. And there might just be a few surprises before year end. So we thank you for listening and look forward to you tuning into our next Energy in 30.